Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. In this episode, we explore the origins of Christianity and its relationship to Judaism. We talk with Mark Meckler about his faith journey, including the search that got him to Jesus, the questions he had in the beginning, and some of the practices he adopted to help him along the way. Christians are meant to ask questions. Following Jesus isn't about figuring it all out. It's about being in relationship with the divine. Faith is not about having all the answers. It is about believing, having courage, and giving life your best effort. I remember you calling and saying, okay, I believe now. I got to figure out what I call myself. Yeah. And we went through different options. Yeah. And you decided. I'm a Christian Jew. Christian That's Jew. what I decided. And people say messianic Jew. It does, just doesn't resonate. Jew. Completed there were a lot of different. Jews for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I went with a, what I just think is just kind of blandly descriptive. Mm-hmm. My heritage is I'm a Jew. That never goes away. I'm a Christian. Because obviously I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. I'm a Christian Jew. Yeah. yeah. So in there somewhere, I remember that you got really frustrated. Yeah. Because you were starting to look for your own path you had been sort of surfing on my wave for a while and then you hit this point of frustration like i can't understand the bible for myself i it's it's all over the place it's yeah it's it's, obtuse it's thick (laughs) i i have no idea what to do and you were you were kind of tearing your hair out it was well i think and probably especially for somebody who's older right i didn't come to it as a kid and so it wasn't introduced in a way that was just inherent in who i was you didn't grow up listening to bible stories you didn't have a wanna like there's nothing to mm-hmm. to inculcate me in how to study the bible or the culture of christianity and so for me when i first became a christian of course there's the my heart lights up my love for jesus it's it's there now i want to know now I need to study because that's my way. And so I start to read the Bible and it's incomprehensible. And a big part of it is it's nonlinear. And so as Westerners, we're entirely linear. We don't read stories that are nonlinear, generally speaking. If we do, we would call that experimental fiction, right? And, and I might have read some of that in college because it was cool, but it's hard to read and it's hard to follow. And occasionally they'll do that with movies. And if they do too many flashbacks, you don't understand the movie anymore. That was the Bible to me. Wait, who am I reading? Wait, when when does this take place? Did this happen before what I read next? None of it made sense to me. And so I really struggled to just sit down and read the Bible. And I knew I need to read this book. This is the book. This is the word. So I need to read it and do my best to to absorb and understand it. And I just, it was like banging my head against the wall. It really was not an enjoyable process. It was very frustrating. So what was your breakthrough there? 
man? What, or was there a breakthrough? Was it, or was it a gradual? So I read my way, uh, New King James Version, I read my way through the entire Bible. It was a horrible experience. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was just uh, something you felt you needed I felt like to torture yourself. I felt like it was my for salvation. <laughs> God, I know I'm supposed to read the Word, so I'm going to read the Word because you were willing to give by your grace to, to Why save. King James? Um, I think it was because I wanted to be cl as close as I could to the original. And so I, when I read like English Standard Version, it felt like a, a pop version of it. Oh, interesting. So it felt more authentic, probably because yeah. of the movies. Yeah, so I needed more <laughs> formality in my mind, right? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And so that's why I did it. And I think also because it was more challenging. So I felt like uh -huh. this must be the real deal because it's harder to read. Well, Charlton Heston spoke in Yeah, James, exactly. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of what started me. And uh, what, where my breakthrough came, so I read my way through the Bible, and it was very unsatisfactory. Mm -hmm. And I tried to read commentaries and stuff. But again, nothing said, well, let me help you make sense of this. It was mm -hmm. like, well, here's my interpretation of what that means. Mm -hmm. so, and then there's a million interpretations of what that means. And so I was just lost. So the second time through, I said, okay, I got to do it again because I didn't get it. And I know I understood intellectually it's a lifetime pursuit. I'm not supposed mm -hmm. to understand the Bible in one read. And so the second time through, I did something different, which is the biggest problem for me was chronology. Like it didn't make sense. It was nonlinear. So I listened to the Bible, uh, Tinsdale, what's called the Tinsdale Audio Bible, in chronological order. And I listened to that at the same time that I was reading New King James again. Right? And so they were, obviously, that's not perfectly parallel, they're kind of going like this as you read. They're crossing over back and so forth. So New King James or King James? New King James. Okay, so you you, you went to modern. Went to, yeah, okay. went to more uh, modern. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, because I felt like, okay, King James is just difficult. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to go to New King James, modernize the language a little bit. But it's not as new as English uh, Standard or okay. something like that. And so when I did both of those, by the, and I did it over a year. Tinsdale set up in a year. By the end of the year... And I use this analogy that it was weaving mm -hmm. because it's going back and forth, right? Like literally mm -hmm. like, like uh, fibers on a loom. When I was done with that year, I felt like I get it. Not in a profound sense that I understand the Bible, quote unquote, but there was a woven tapestry in front of me that was the whole story that I understood that, that when somebody now would talk about something from the Bible, even if I didn't really remember the whole story, I kind of got, I, I, I remember hearing context. I have a reference. I, I kind of know where that is mm -hmm. in the story, when that happened in the story. And there was something else going on in the background during that time that was very difficult, which is, I think when you become a new Christian, and I think if you've been a Christian your whole life, it might be hard to recognize this. And then you meet somebody who's an adult who becomes a Christian, and you everybody's wonderful and welcoming. We're so mm -hmm. glad to have you in the family. And and now you stand in a group of new of Christians, and you're a new Christian, and everybody starts speaking Latin. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it sounds like to you, because people are quoting Bible verses, and you have no idea where those come from, and people are making Bible jokes and. <laughs> And you've been welcomed into the club, but nobody said, oh, and by the way, here, here's the glossary. Here's, here's, give you here's all the, the new language. Right, here's, the new, here's all the new terms you need to understand. So you're just standing there listening to everybody talk. You're like, I'm fully an outsider here. I have no idea what's going on. And I also think, so it makes it hard to integrate as a new Christian into the Christian community. 
it's also true in church because your pastor's up there and and because I think and I think most pastors are this way I would say that I've watched there's an assumption that you're talking to the flock you are talking to the flock because mostly you are right mm-hmm. and so the the conversation is at this level instead of for a brand new person at this level and so you sit in church and you think no idea what's going on, right? All these references being made. I can't even flip my Bible pages fast enough mm-hmm. to follow along with what's going on. And so it was a very frustrating process of integration for me that really took years to, to try to integrate myself into it. And uh, it's almost like there needs to be an awana for adults mm. who, who become new Christians. So now, in the teaching that I gave you, I did those chronologies constantly. Yes, it didn't stick. You had to you had to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Really, is the bottom line yeah. of that, isn't it? Well, and I think that's true. I would guess for most people, mm-hmm. you know, you can listen to somebody say it to you, but until you actually integrate it, yeah. And I think I had an advantage because of what you were teaching. So I had a first pass. You knew you you knew there was an answer, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a chronology. Um, I just couldn't find it for myself. I remember talking to you at one point about some Bible tools, maybe Blue Letter Bible or Blue something. Blue Letter, ultimately. But that what I found is when you referred me to Blue Letter, it was a little early for me. Okay. Because there's a lot of information there, mm-hmm. right? And so Blue Letter allows you to dive into a passage in an incredibly deep way. Look at the language behind it. Look at words behind Where it. Where does the so now to me that's one of the most important things I do when I read mm-hmm. a Bible passage because what I found now over the years is what I read in New King James or English Standard is a lot of times not correct mm-hmm. linguistically. Linguistic because it's very difficult because or the, maybe not complete right because exact the, translations often don't exist. Don't exist. Yeah. So what I'm getting is somebody's opinion from studies and it's they're doing the best they can they're doing the best they can right mm-hmm. and so now I find that the deeper I get into it the more nuance I get mm-hmm. uh, you had me do a at one point a deep dive on Ecclesiastes and what's the meaning of vapor right? oh hebel yeah right and so that's a great example because the entire meaning of Ecclesiastes is changed around that one word mm-hmm. depending on how you define vapor mm-hmm. right and so in a way, you could read Ecclesiastes and say, it's kind of negative. Mm-hmm. Right? And it is if you approach Hebel the wrong way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but from studying that and having you have me do a deep mm-hmm. dive, it's like, okay, now I get it. He's not saying don't do any of this stuff and it's all useless and stupid. He's just saying you can't grasp that stuff. The only thing, you, you can grasp the Lord and have your faith in the Lord and, and what's forever. So that, that one word was transformation, right? Mm-hmm. But when you start reading the Bible, you don't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it takes time. So I think one of the big things that I've learned over the years is be patient, mm. right? Is, is don't expect to understand. And it's okay if you don't understand. And even if you think you understand, there's a decent chance you don't understand. Well, really, when you, when you get to the point where you think you understand it all, you actually have lost the point. <laughs> it's time to start over. It's time to start over because you're you're peering into infinity, right. and so what should happen is it just keeps getting bigger. Right. Yeah. What what strikes me as you're talking is that this is a similar journey for someone who's grown up Christian their entire lives. Even people who've been lifelong Christians, they're here. 
words like sanctification, and they're sitting there thinking, everyone knows what that means except me. Like, I've even said it. I'm not even really sure what, yeah. what that term means. But I think all of us have, we know more about what other people have to say about the Bible than we know about the Bible. And it's, it is, it's daunting and it's challenging to get in there. And then we get into this idea that, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. I know what the Bible is about. And it's like, because you bought something in, in a frame and put it, you know, or, or you've, you've heard the jokes enough that you can repeat them or right. whatever it is. But uh, I think even Christians, even lifelong Christians struggle with what does scripture actually say? What is it actually about? And we had a we had a woman in our community group that was brand new to the faith, had never same to you, had been kind of adamant against Christianity for most of her life, and she was a revelation for us because she would ask questions or she would say something. It was just like, well, wait, all of you guys are talking about this, but that's not what this actually like is saying. You know what I mean? Things like yeah. that. This like we just see past it because we assume some interpretation along the way or right. some popular. Uh, interpretation of something we've, we've just kind of swallowed and we've lost our ability to question and really seek it for ourselves. Probably worth saying here that this is Yellow Balloon's podcast and it's me teaching and in this story I'm the mentor but 26 years ago I basically took everything I thought I knew about the Bible and just scraped it off the table and said I got to start all over again. I was not understanding what this said. Yeah. And I, because I started over with a totally new paradigm. And when I shifted my paradigm, it was a, I it, literally, like I have never read this book before. And it was a time of unbelievable discovery for me because I was finding treasures everywhere. And what I thought were constraints of rules and structures that I was keeping me uh, safe from hell or whatever were actually opportunities to grow and flourish. I'd say the same thing for me. I, I would say I'm in the middle of, and it's been the real value of working on Yellow Balloons. I'm learning just as much as as providing the resources. But I, you know, I went to seminary, and I, you know, I grew up around the Bible my whole life. And a lot of times, especially in seminary, there were times where I was just like, this doesn't make sense. And it feels like we've spent six weeks of this class talking about who might be the potential author of this book rather than just like talking about what the book says. is about or like <laughs> what it says. And, and so I, I think I've gotten to a place where a few years ago just sort of did that motion of like, I got to rethink this because, I, you know, I've seen the fruit of some of the things other people have said that just aren't working. And there are things in here that don't make sense. And Ecclesiastes is my favorite book of the Bible, because that word that's so often translated meaningless, you translate it vapor, and it just unlocks a whole thing. Yeah. And when I discovered that, it was like, gosh, there's, got, there's so much other things that I've, that I've just completely missed. Um, can, I, can I ask you a question? Sure. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Why did you start asking me about this stuff? Because like, that, you asked me, like, what do you know about your heritage, right? I didn't, I didn't dig in and start asking you about faith. You asked me. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's, I think that's right. And I think studying the Bible has rewired my brain. I, I think I'm a way better executive because of it. I think I'm a way better person because of it. And we were with some 
church discipleship guys recently, the three of us, Joey, Kylie, and, and me. And I learned something from them I'd never heard before, that there's a math to how many questions Jesus asked and how much he answered. And I probably won't remember the exact number, but it's like he asked 300 and something and answered three or something like that. And if you'll go through and think, he usually yeah. is like, what do you think it says? Right. What's the greatest commandment? What do you think it says? Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's certainly how you taught me. And so I think, I think probably, I don't know the answer to that, but I think probably it's because that's kind of what the Bible does. It asks questions, which is very profound because if you think about it, what is that pointing you to? It's pointing you to what I think we're all seeking is why I'm here. Why am I here? What was I made for? And the answer is to seek. Because you have a choice, and I have a choice, and you have a choice. And the made in the image of Godness is making choices. And said, so, Well, I don't know what's best. Why don't you just tell me? Right. <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> My parents a few years ago got me this little book called Questions God Asks. And I like devoured it just because I feel like we always are going to God with questions. We've been going in the scripture like, we've, all right, Jesus, we got some questions for you. How are you going to answer it? You know, kind of putting him on trial. But yeah, that idea was, was revelatory for me as well. These questions, who, who do you say that I am? Like there's so much importance in what God is asking of us and what Jesus came down to say, hey, here is what's being put on your plate. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to steward this life? Probably the most impactful book in the Bible to me is Job. It's, was, that was part of that turning point that caused me to kind of scrape the table and start over again. And Job was God's favorite guy. I mean, he just really thought Job was amazing and never from beginning to end. It's really clear that this is who you ought to be like. In fact, there's a passage in Ezekiel where God says to Israel, even if you had a Job, a Daniel, or a Noah in, in Israel right now, I would only save them. I would wipe the rest of you out because you're so bad. Well, that's pretty high company, right? I mean, he, he's, he's lauded like an incredible guy. And when God gets to the point of, you know, let's make sure you understand what's in this for you, it's all questions. Mm -hmm. That's all he gets is questions. And at the end, Job says, okay, I get it. I get it. God's like, great going. I'm going to give you twice as much, not because you need it, but so everybody else will understand what happened here. Right. And... All questions. He didn't get a single answer. Yeah, that's interesting because in going to church, not many pastors teach that way. Well, we we went through infertility. We went for five years, and one of the things we noticed while we were going through it is just how uncomfortable Christians are with questions. We want answers. We and so even pastors just like putting questions and leaving it and letting people steward those choices, real uncomfortable. If they're going to ask a question, they're going to give you, you know, the answer right. alongside of it. And we've become, in the, you know, very consumeristic context in Western society, we've become used to that kind of an arrangement of like, look, I come here so you can tell me the answer. Don't be asking me questions. <laughs> uh, but I think it, it is one of the most powerful things that we that we miss about the, the Christian journey. Like even the name Micah, or which we also get Michael from 
is a question. Micah's who is like, and this, you know, the assumption is God because they didn't use his name. Michael, they just put the L at the end. Who is like God? You know, it's just embedded in scripture and characters and all kinds of things. There's questions that, that we miss. Well, even when you do an exposition of a passage, and I think, I think there may be more questions than you think from pastors. They do an exposition. If they do an application, the question is, what are you going to do about this? Yeah, that's reasonable. How does this apply to your life? How does this apply to your life? And often, if, I think if you treat the passage fairly, which we try to do in the Yellow Balloons, you don't, it, you're not given the full amount of information. Some things are clear, other things are not, and it's important to distinguish between the two. But in each case, the question is still always going to be, so what are you going to do? I would say maybe maybe the better way of thinking about this, at least in my experience, is uh, preachers, pastors, a lot of times do incorporate questions, but it's the wrong the wrong questions. It's questions that are more comfortable, more easy to answer. So you get to the end of Job, the questions like, "Where were you when the earth was formed?" That's not the that's not the question Job is hoping that he's going to get. You know, and so we I think sometimes try to remake the question in our own image based on our own desires rather than facing it for what it's worth. If you want to look at Job at a real high level, the one thing Job asked, he, he was just, God's God, he can do whatever he wants to all the way through. But God is missing something here. And if I could have a day with him, then he would understand yeah, right. and he would change what he did. Right. That was his basic wish. And what God instead is, let me ask you some questions first. And if you can answer these, then I'll answer that. And the two questions basically were, were, can you understand the making of the universe and explain it to me? No. Okay, well, let's just try an animal. Can you tame this animal? Can't even do that. Okay, so you can't, under, you can't explain physics and you can't train this lizard or whatever it is, this massive animal. So why is it you think you can tell me stuff? Whose perspe- who needs whose perspective here? Job's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I think that makes people uncomfortable because it doesn't feel practical, but it actually is practical in a lot of ways because now you're able to say like, okay, the choice in front of me is am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust this thing that does know how the physics work and how the animals can be tamed? Am I going to submit to my life? And that can open up all kinds of other questions that in your life about stewardship. But yeah, again, I think we, we gloss over some of these things because, because we're very they're tough. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. 